You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Proverbs 24, uh, half of 23 to 25. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. And Proverbs 29 verse 26, many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. Uh, I think Josh is up next to preach, and I'm just going to pray for him. Uh, Father God, thank you uh, for this sunny day um, and the wind that, you know, is interesting. Uh, Lord, we just pray for Josh as he preaches to us. Um, Lord, I just pray that uh, the words that he speaks are from you and that, yeah, we um, learn more about you and grow a deeper connection to you this morning. Amen. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm coming through. Awesome. Thank you, Jemima. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Tash, for serving us so well Already, I feel like Lisa, your mini sermon on making Jesus known and Tasha's uh, talk on words. If I don't pe- preach particularly well, I feel like you've all heard some really good things already. So that takes the pressure off. <laughs> For those of you that I haven't met, my name is Joash. I'm a volunteer pastor here at City on a City on a Hill Surf Coast. Um, I preach every sort of seven to eight weeks uh, to help uh, Louis, who is our lead pastor, uh, not have to preach all of the time. We have a few people that come and uh, preach as sort of pinch hit. Um, And I I really look forward to and love the times that I get to share God's word with you. I particularly love the time that I get to spend in the week or two leading up. I feel like I get to learn the most by uh, spending all of that time trying to figure out what would be the most helpful thing. To share. So thank you for letting me do that and, and come and share God's word with you. Hope, um, yeah. Last time I preached, we were looking at work and rest. And I, I admitted to all of you uh, that I really struggle to rest. I'm not very good at resting and that I'm a bit of a work workaholic. You can see here that I've been now forced, forced to rest in perhaps a way that I didn't plan. (laughs) And today we're looking at justice in Proverbs. And I think when we think about justice in Proverbs, perhaps this is the type of thing that we think about with justice in Proverbs. You know, if you sin or try and be a bit sneaky in the short term, it'll catch you out in the long term. Like there's payback. If you do wrong, wrong will happen. And some of the Proverbs that Jemima read, there is that theme in them. I talk about being a workaholic, bam, break my arm, rest. (laughs) And that is true. That theme is in Proverbs. But justice in Proverbs runs much, much deeper and is much more important and speaks uh, in a more meaningful and significant way to how we live than that type of justice, which, which I'm talking about. Before we drop into the topic of justice, I want to spend a few minutes, maybe five or ten minutes, just looking at and talking about the book of Proverbs and the broader context of Proverbs. Um, I think that's really important to help us understand Proverbs 
really well and understand the way that it's written and the types of things that it says, uh, the reason that it says those things and how it works with the other wisdom books in the Bible. I think to read the Bible well, to, uh, it's really important that we have the context, the broad context. Um, so we will get to justice and I hope the context helps us understand what Proverbs says about justice really well. So if I asked you what pro- what is Proverbs about, we've had three or four sermons, have we, ish, on Proverbs, what would you say? In one word, what is Proverbs about? Any takers? Wisdom. Yeah, I would say that too. If you've got one word to describe Proverbs, I would say wisdom. In the opening, of, in the opening words of the book, it says, to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. It's kind of the, That's the opening of the book. That's how the writer of Proverbs sets it up and articulates what it's about. So I reckon wisdom is a fair answer. If you were going to extend that, though, to three words, so you had three words now instead of one, I would say wisdom, righteousness, and justice. They're the three words that, if I had to pick three, that I would use to describe what Proverbs is about. Maybe you would disagree. Maybe you'd pick a different three. No Bible scholar has told me that or that has, you know, said that's definitely what Proverbs is about. But my reading, I reckon they're the three words I'd use. Wisdom, righteousness, and justice. I think that's helpful to kind of know and think about as we read and read through all the Proverbs that you can just pull out and pluck out and, you know, apply a proverb to everyday life. Talking about context in Proverbs, there's also a key worldview that's really importantly communicated and assumed in Proverbs. It's a worldview that's a bit sort of contradictory to the worldview of the world, and that is that there is a right and a wrong, And that right and wrong is set by a God who's bigger than us. Now, the proverb, hear, my son, your father's instructions. How long will you love being simple? It assumes that there's a God who made and set up the world and that there's general rules and principles that govern and guide the world that God made. Reading Proverbs well helps us to understand the grain of the world, the way that God designed the world to work, and it helps us to run with that grain in our lives. When I was young, I grew up on a farm, and we had the heating in the farm was wood heaters. Like the, We had an open fire and we had a canara. They were in two different parts of the room. We had all this red gum on the farm. Red gum's a... I assume most of you know what red gum is. It's a type of wood. It's really hard. It's a really hard wood. It's not just normal gum. It's particularly hard gum. And we'd have to go out and collect firewood. And whenever we we brought it back, unless they were massive big rounds, like rounder than this fire drum, we would put on the trailer, they'd come back in rounds. And so at the back shed, there's just this big pile of cut up red gum. And it was my job to split the red gum most of the time, probably just because dad didn't want to do it because it's pretty hard, pretty hard work. <laughs> anyway, uh, red gum, if you try and split it, like if this was the round of red gum, if you hit that with an axe this way, 
like not with the grain of the wood. Maybe it's just because I'm not very big, but I could hit that all day and it wouldn't break. It would stay strong and together. But if I stood like this and I hit it with the grain, because it's red gum, it still might take a couple of whacks, but it would split off and I'd be able to work my way around the grain of the log and split it, split it together. Maybe I should have broken my arm more often so I could, didn't have to split all of that red gum. But that's kind of what Proverbs does. It's helping us understand the red gum round that we're looking at as think of that as our lives and how the grain runs and where to whack it, <laughs> what decisions to make and how to make good decisions so that we can do that. And Proverbs, though, it also speaks in sort of probabilities rather than promises. Sometimes there's a knot in the grain of red gum. You think, I whack it here, but in there, there was a branch that was growing and it still doesn't split. Those are complicated, those times. That's how Proverbs speaks. And I think it's helpful then to also think about the other wisdom books of the Bible. The other wisdom books, there's, Pro there's Job, there's Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, three books of the Bible that are put into a genre of wisdom books. And if we're going to read, I think, to get the full picture of what God says about wisdom in the Bible, reading all three of those books, not necessarily all at the same time, is helpful because they give us a different view and a different slant on what God is saying and speaking to us about wisdom. There's a really helpful um, YouTube channel called The Bible Project. I'm not sure if you, many of you have seen or looked at that. If you haven't, I'd suggest that you do. The Bible Project is... It's, it's really helpful. Um, what they do really well is you can type in Proverbs Bible Project and there's a 10-minute video that gives you an overview of the whole book. They do that all the way through the Bible and key key themes. If you're looking for something to watch on YouTube or you you know perhaps instead of streaming the next ver next uh, episode of your show on Netflix, maybe go, oh, yeah, I'll type in Bible Project. It's a good use of your time in front of a screen. They have this really helpful way of describing the three, they personify the three wisdom books of the Bible. They describe Proverbs as this, you know, young, ambitious, undergrad student, very wise teacher um, who's very positive, sees the good in life, has got it all, um, thinks in probabilities and possibilities and can see what can happen and runs with the grain of life, like a really wise young teacher is how they personify the book of Proverbs, a very good and important person to listen to. Ecclesiastes, they then personify as the cynical PhD student in philosophy. They, that person sees and understands the complexity of the world and is battling with existential questions. Ecclesiastes speaks to that. Job then is an old man. He's been through it all. He's hit a, a lot of knots in the red gum. And Job demonstrates, so when those probabilities don't always happen, how to relate to and trust God regardless. But I think those three personifications are really helpful. And it's also helpful when we read Proverbs, I think, to know that that's kind of where it fits in. Anyway, that's the context. I wanted to just talk about that before we drop into and speak about what I think Proverbs is saying about justice. Sorry if that was long. Maybe we're going to go long. <laughs> We've got no music though, right? I won't, I promise, Lisa. Yeah. 
Uh, so when we look at justice today, I want to consider it in three parts. I want to talk about our experience of justice in the world and kind of use Proverbs to talk about that and lean into that. I want to look at how Proverbs then encourages us to respond. So how we experience justice, how Proverbs encourages us to respond to that. And then look at how what Jesus has done changes the game. So justice in the world, our experience of justice. I think when we think of justice, I know when I think of justice today, we often think of perhaps fairness. We expect fairness as humans, and it's not unreasonable. Kids from being, I don't know, maybe even less than two, they feel it and they expect fairness in their lives. It's built into our DNA as humans. How many times in your house, if you've got little kids, do you hear, it's not fair and you have to be the judge and the adjudicator of what is fair. Proverbs 2.21 says, For the upright will inhabit the land and those those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. From being two years old, we have a sense of that. If you know, I went and pinched something off Emily, who's playing with Esther right now. She'd tell me it's not fair. She probably wouldn't quote that proverb to me and say, you'll be cut off from the land. But she knows that it's not fair and that's not okay. I remember saying that to my dad one time. I don't remember exactly what happened, but something. I felt aggrieved by something. I was probably a little bit older. No, I was. I would have been maybe 12 or 13. And dad said to me, whoever told you that life was meant to be fair? Like, oh, no one, no one told me. That's isn't that just how it's supposed to be? And he said, Well, get used to it, because it's not fair. Like, oh, righto. (laughs) That probably gives you an insight into my dad. And no, my dad wasn't Robert Menzies, though perhaps he sort of spoke a little bit like him. (laughs) There's lots of examples in our lives where I think this expectation of fairness plays out. Examples of little injustices that we experience. Perhaps when you're cut off in traffic, you know, maybe you're lined up to turn right at a really busy spot and there's an enormous big row of cars. You've been lining up. The traffic lights change four or five times as you get six cars closer to the light turning green. Someone barrels up the lane, left lane next to you, just as it goes green and they just cut off. They didn't have to wait at all. You've been there 15 minutes. He just zips in. Maybe at that time, Proverbs 24.20 comes to mind. The evil man has no future, and the lamp of the wicked will be put out. (laughs) It's not fair. We can get quite upset about that very little. It really doesn't impact you, does it? Because you probably got to turn, or you maybe had to wait a couple of minutes. But it's not fair, because you had to wait, and they didn't. We get very passionate about that little injustice that happens to us. Proverbs 17.23 says, The wicked accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. A bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Maybe you see this play out in your workplace. 
maybe you have been, you know, working hard, been very focused on whatever the next thing it is in your career. You look at the, the criteria for that job, what you need to be able to do. You go and do training, you do courses. For a number of years, you've been positioning yourself to be able to work up the ladder in an equitable and fair way. Someone though is just blown in who's really good mates with the hiring manager. The job that you want comes up and that person gets the job. Not based on merit. You should get it based on merit. They get it though based on their relationship with the person whose job it is. It's not fair. And there's so much injustice in the world, isn't there? Throughout history, there's so much injustice. I love reading biographies. They're my favorite genre of book to read. I just find people so interesting and how they dealt with whatever it was that they had at that time. And there's so many amazing stories through history where there's been enormous injustice happened and they deal with that. I recently read To Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe a number of you read that, had to do that at high school. I actually didn't have to do it at high school, but some people at work were talking about, about it. And it's an amazing story of injustice or justice slash injustice. It plays on that really well. Based in the you know, early 1900s, the discrimination based on race and the injustice that occurs based on the color of people's skin. It's been a massive theme throughout the last thousands of years. Injustice based on the color of people's skin. It played out in World War II, people's, what country they were or weren't from and the race that they were from. There's gender-based discrimination that happens worldwide. In some places, women aren't allowed to drive cars, for example, or, give, or go to school. It's horrible. And even in Western countries where we have a great justice system relative to other places in the world, lots of injustice occurs. To me, I think like financial-based bail laws, to me, they seem crazy. But I can do something, but if, not so much here, but in America, which is, you know, the land of the home and the free, how does that go? <laughs> um, I can do something horrible, but if I put up three million bucks worth of bail, then I get to go out. If I'm poor, then I've got to stay. How is that fair, that if I've got more money, that I get to be treated differently? Proverbs 28.21 says, to show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. How true is that? To show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. There's also injustice that perhaps has impacted you. There's injustice that has impacted, impacted me. Life here doesn't always play out as fair in the short run. As much though as it doesn't feel like it, because of those things, they're so big in our lives. There's a number of shared stories that I, yeah, that I could tell where there's just this enormous injustice that's occurred. And it, because it's so big, it has a really big and heavy weight on us sometimes. 
But these probably in our lives, these big events, these unjust events are probably the exception rather than the rule. They're very big things. And so they have a big impact. But most of the time, you know, Proverbs 11.31 says, if the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? And that's true. That's what Proverbs is saying. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? But also, to show partiality is not good. But for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. There's injustice that we feel that has happened to all of us that we can feel and experience. Those things stick in our mind, the knots in the red gum. They really do stick in their mind and they're hard to deal with. But most of the time, most of the rounds of red gum, when we look at the way that our lives play out, they run with a grain. That's what Proverbs tells us. So how do we respond In this world that generally the things that stick in our mind are the things that don't feel fair, how do we respond? There's a couple of options. First, we can be outraged by the injustice that we see, that we feel, and that we we can look to bring about change. Proverbs 18.15 says, It's not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. Proverbs 24.10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we didn't know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over you? Doesn't he know and will he not repay man according to his work? Proverbs 31.9 says, defend the rights of the poor. This isn't a proverb, but in Jeremiah, it says, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Proverbs calls us to action. When we see injustice, it's telling us to act. God is a just God. He's a loving God and he's a just God. And one day he is going to come back and he's going to right all of the wrongs and he is going to bring ultimate justice to everybody, which is awesome. We'll talk more about that. But because he is a just God, he wants us to help participate in bringing and and helping people that have been oppressed and that have received injustice. There's so many great examples of Christians throughout history who have done this. The first one that comes to mind is Wilberforce, right? The slave trade that was horrible, that is a blight on Western history. As a Christian, he said, that's not okay. We can't do that to people. God loves those people and he died for those people just like he died for me. They're not property that we can just go and bring. And he stopped it. How good is that? Motivated by the love of God, the the slave trade was stopped. Martin Luther King with the civil rights movement in America. Awesome. The rights, you know, stood up for the rights of people that didn't have them and brought massive change. I was reading a story about when there was plagues in the Roman Empire. 
people like left towns because there was, you know, something wrong. There's a plague in the town. They'd just vacate it. Out we go. If we stay there, we're going to die. Christians didn't do that. They went to those towns to help those people. They put themselves in danger to help. They're great examples of these people's moral compass that was kind of outraged and saw this injustice and wanted to do something about it. In our worldview, we see this injustice when we sit in the place of judge. We have a baseline of, you know, human decency and human flourishing that we see. And when that isn't sort of playing out, we act. We act to help that play out for those people around us. These are good things to do. They're things that we should do. But it's important to note, I think, and reflect back on what we said about how Proverbs is distinctive. Proverbs articulates a worldview and a justice that is so because God is the judge, because God makes the rules. God's already articulated what's good and bad. And what we're what these people that I've talked about and what we can do is seek to understand and apply that. I think often the thing that sort of I've struggled with over the time is often with people that are looking for justice in the world, it kind of quickly turns into discussions on advocacy of different perhaps political models and what is better and what's worse generally. Some of the injustice that's happened in relative relatively recent history is caused by political systems. Some of it is a byproduct of capitalism. Other injustice through the 20th century is a byproduct of socialism. Some injustice is caused by dictatorships through the you know, 20th century. There's good examples of injustice that's caused by all of these different political models. The Bible talks about, though, how in every human heart is evil and brokenness. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? The root of the problem of injustice in the world, it actually lies in all of us. There's no perfect political system that will bring about justice to all, except for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> so as you work to help those around you, when you see injustice happen, remember that. I think another important thing to consider as we think about working through and acting on injustice is that we're constrained. We need to follow the rules of the game. When we stand up for injustice, for example, we can't lie, cheat, and steal to win the game. It's tempting. They're doing wrong. Therefore, I can do wrong to help fix it. And maybe that means, and, and it feels like we probably will lose, right? Like imagine a game, the grand final yesterday. If, I don't know, Brisbane get to ta tackle above the shoulder and Collingwood don't, Brisbane probably will win the game, right? They could take off everybody's head. <laughs> If the rules are different, it's hard to win the game. And maybe because, and we, maybe we feel like we've got to follow the rules. God set a way for us to live. Maybe it means we lose. 
But it's really important that we can work through what we see, that, that we can work through what we see as injustice as Christians, because at the end of the day, we know that God deals with it. Proverbs 29, 26 says, Many seek the face of a ruler, but it's from the Lord that a man gets justice. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it's from the Lord that a man gets justice. There's a story of a guy, John Dixon. John Dixon is really um, awesome Christian apologist. He's got some great sort of stories and interactions of standing up for and reasoning on why Christianity makes sense. He was working, uh, working with this guy, a friend of his, and he was... If you've ever listened to John Dixon, if you haven't, I'd encourage you to type his name into Google. He's got some awesome talks and discussions. Um, He was trying to explain Jesus to this work colleague of his and articulate why Jesus was the thing that he needed. And he wasn't getting through. And if John Dixon can't get through, well, you know, that guy's pretty far gone, right? (laughs) It's Jesus who does the work on his heart, though, not John Dixon. Anyway, they went for a bike ride one day. John and this guy, and the, someone like pulled out right in front of them, and both of them nearly crashed into this car. And John's friend was sort of raging, going, oh, you know, just like we might do when someone cuts us off in traffic. And they were having a conversation, and John sort of mid-thought just said, oh, don't worry about that, God will deal with him, and kept talking, just kind of dismissed it. In his mindset, though, don't worry about that, God will deal with that. Didn't even think about it and kept riding. And at about 11 o'clock that night, his friend rang him. He's like, John, I haven't stopped thinking about what you said. He's like, what? What did I say? It's like when that guy cut us off and how you just said God would deal with it. Tell me about that. How does God deal with that? What does that mean? And the way that God's justice and John's trust in God's justice was just built into his life changed that guy's life. He became a Christian through how John dealt with a relatively small injustice. It's a very small example, but when we look at how Jesus dealt with injustice, Jesus, the Son of God who lived a perfect life, dying the death of a criminal on a Roman cross, how did he respond on the cross when he dealt with and saw that injustice? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, the wicked look to advantage themselves in Proverbs. They look to advantage themselves by disadvantaging other people, the poor or people who can't help themselves. But the righteous actually flip that around. They disadvantage themselves by advantaging others. And we can do this because we know that we're not the judge. The game is longer than it looks. Even if it looks like at the end of the game, it looks like the final siren's gone and it looks like we've lost, there's extra time in this game, in God's game of justice. And in extra time, the extra time that we can see, God wins and he wins big. So how can we respond to this inju- the injustice that we see? 
We can look to act and that's good, but we can also trust in God who really is the one who brings justice. Proverbs 21.12 says, The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. Proverbs 24.19 Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Do not be envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future and the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Proverbs 22. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their case, and rob of life those who rob them. We see that God works all through history, the history that has been and the history that, has, that is to come, to bring justice. God's actually referred to as judge throughout the Bible. In Ecclesiastes, it says, I said in my heart that God will judge the righteous and the wicked. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our Lord, Lord giver, lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It's he who will save us. In 2 Corinthians, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may, re- may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The evil that we see, the injustice that we feel, the things that we can try and fix, at the end of the day, God will deal with it. God will fix it. That might feel like an amazing thing to some of us, but it also might feel like a very threatening or intimidate, intimidating thing to some of us as well. Proverbs 21.15 says, When justice is done, it's a joy to the righteous, but terror to, te- terror to evildoers. It doesn't need, God's justice does not need to be terror to us because of the work that Jesus has done. The justice that comes through Jesus is amazing. Jesus won once and for all by what appeared to be losing. With Je- so Jesus, who was the, lived the perfect life, he was up in heaven. He cre- he, the words that were spoken that Tash talked about before, to put the stars in the sky, to put the, these trees that grow up out of the ground, he spoke those words. That was him. And he came to earth as a helpless little a baby, and lived a perfect life. He did nothing wrong. He died the death of a criminal on a Roman cross so that we could be right with God because that evil that lives inside all of our hearts, that means that we can't approach God and be friends with God. Jesus didn't want that and God didn't want that. So he took, he brought himself, he came down He chose to come down and die in our place so that if we accept and trust and love that, that we can be right with God. Is that fair? We talked a lot about fairness. Is that very fair? It's not fair, is it? Does it mean that Jesus lost? No, he didn't because he didn't stay dead. He rose again and he beat death. He beat the injustice. He played a longer game than everyone was expecting.
Jesus did that, you know, because of that feeling of injustice that we hopefully those stories of injustice that I said as we're talking about injustice. Maybe you felt that, you can relate to that and feel a sense of injustice when you sit as judge. When someone does something to us, we get outraged, rightly so sometimes. But that, that thing is nothing compared to what we have done, all of us have done to God. That thing that you feel, God has so much more right to feel that about all of us. In our standard state, we're not friends with God. But even then, Jesus came and died so that we can be right with him. And that's not fair. But how good is it that it's not fair? It's grace and it's amazing grace. And what it means is that we can act the same way. We can disadvantage ourselves to the advantage of others, just like Jesus did in the biggest and most enormous and impressive and amazing way possible. And just like John Dixon in a very small example, what a witness that is to other people, that because of how Jesus dealt with injustice, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, because of the unfair way that he was willing to be treated, that we can do and treat others in the world the same way. So, yeah, in concluding, I'd encourage you to think about those around you that you can help. Proverbs encourages, to act, encourages, encourages us to act when we see injustice. But rest in the peace that we have of knowing that God is the judge and that he's good. And thank Jesus for how unfairly he acted towards you. If that idea of Jesus and how he acted, if that's a new concept for you or something that you've never done or never thought about, much before. I'd love to chat with you afterwards as well. But let's pray. Thanks, God, uh, for your love for us. Thanks, God, that you are, that justice comes from you. Uh, thanks that you are a just God, that you're a loving God, that you're a good God. God, I pray that perhaps for some of us that have felt injustice in our lives and feel like justice isn't coming and we feel like things aren't fair, God, I pray that you'd help us to explore and lean into and try and understand what that means for us more. God, I pray that you'd help us to act and to um, work in the world to help uh, correct wrongs. Thanks uh, for the great examples of many that have gone before us, of those that have done that. But God, I also pray that you would help us to trust and rest in your goodness and your love and that ultimately at the end of the day, all of this is in your hands and that you are a just and good judge. Thanks for the time that we've got to spend together considering your word. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.